Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. I have a very strange story for you, and this is something that I don't talk about too much because it involves a personal experience that I had, and I think you'll understand why I don't talk about it too much. Um, But first off, I want to let you know that this podcast is being brought to you thanks to the Sunshine Simple Solar Generator. And that is because we are still in the middle of a blackout here in Puerto Rico, going on day number two. And uh, you have to understand that here in the tropics, when you have a blackout, what that means is that not only is it dark, but it gets hot. There's no air conditioning, and it gets claustrophobic. And here we are in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, in the middle of nowhere, and gargulas flying around outside, and it gets creepy out here. So this is not like, you know, the power going out in your neighborhood, right? It's a little different when you're out here a thousand miles in the middle of the ocean in a place that's been ravaged by, uh, you know, two hurricanes recently and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm one of the lucky ones. Uh, Even these people around me, like one of my neighbors has a gasoline generator, and uh, they ran it till it ran out. And it was noisy. Noisy, and then it ran out, and uh, then they had to go, and hopefully they could find some gas to come back and fill it up. So the Sunshine Simple is uh, noiseless. It's clean. And uh, it just uses the sun. So I just want you to know that this is living proof of why I'm able to give you this podcast and why that I um, am able to have a a better time. I still can't run an air conditioner without sucking the power too quickly, but I can run fans and I can run all my entertainment. And, you know, there's a long list of things. You know I'm a big fan of the the Sunshine Simple. uh, All that info of what you can do is at sunshinesimple.com. So anyway, hanging in there in the middle of this blackout and, uh, you know, recovering from whatever I recently went through. But here's what I want to tell you about. Recently, Lauren and I were were flipping through channels, I guess, and an, an old movie, one of my old favorites, came on, and she said she'd never seen it. And let me tell you a little bit about the origin of this movie in as well possibly as early as the 1940s most people might say the 50s or 60s certainly the early 70s there was some kind of a monster uh, running around this little town called Falk Arkansas okay now this is a true story that I'm telling you right now and This creature, the Falk Monster, um, was right there around the border of um, Texarkana, Texas, and Texarkana, Arkansas. Falk is a very, very small town. I think even to this day, less than a thousand people live there in Falk, Arkansas. It's, It's extremely swampy, very isolated. And the creature that was running around there... Um, was very much what we would call a Bigfoot or a skunk ape type creature. 
seven feet tall, long, shaggy hair, very smelly. Um, I don't know that the Falk monster ever actually hurt anybody, but it sure scared a lot of people for a long time, poking around their houses at night, you know. I mean, it was it was a pretty big deal in the area. So there was this uh, man who lived right there in the area. He, he was born in 1938. His name was Charles B. Pierce. And Charles B. Pierce was an advertising executive. Um, early on in his career, he had bought a, uh, a 16 millimeter camera and started shooting uh, commercials for trucking companies and things like that and really fell in love with the art of filmmaking. And so around 1971, he decided to make his first feature film about this monster. And uh, he was really breaking a lot of ground because he sort of uh, was one of the first people who decided to create um, a feature film that was set up to kind of look like a documentary. And this is totally independent. Um, the movie is called The Legend of Boggy Creek because Boggy Creek is the area where the Falk monster was often seen snooping around. And um, in fact, this movie that Charles B. Pierce made was so independent um, he was able to just sort of talk to some of his friends and investors and uh, scrape together a pretty small budget. I mean, especially uh, at, at that time. I mean, I think it was no more than $100,000. And uh, that allowed him to get a 35-millimeter movie camera. He hired all locals, uh, mainly high school students, to help him make the movie. And when this thing came out, this $100,000 film, it became a, a drive-in hit, and it made over $25 million at the box office. Can you, can you imagine that? Your first film, no stars or anything. You just get a camera, you shoot this little local film, and uh, your $100,000 investment turns into $25 million. That's, that's impressive. That's, uh, anyway, so that did so well. Well, he was like, well, I found my niche. So he kept on making these kind of little independent, creepy movies. And he made another movie that I love. One of the, I mean, a movie that, that really, I saw this as a kid and it stuck with me. And I'm, it just really creeped me out called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And and uh, if you've never seen that movie, it came out in 1976. Uh, again, based on a true story. And uh, this is the story of um, a murderer, basically, who was, was running around, again, that area, Texarkana, Texas. Um, uh, he was a, a serial killer. They called him the Phantom Killer. And uh, they say that he attacked at least eight people around uh, February through May of 1946. Um, and I hate to spoil this for you if you've never seen the movie, but the guy to this day has never been caught. But the creepiest thing about the villain, the, the serial killer, 
is uh, he's one of those uh, bagheads, as you'd call them, you know? He has like the potato sack over his head and uh, with just the eye holes running around terrorizing people. I mean, a big creepy guy. And I really do think that people like that were, uh, or at very least the characters like that, were inspirations for uh like Jason, you know, from Friday the 13th or, or or Michael Myers, you know. So anyway, uh Charles B Pierce, he went on to have uh, a pretty darn successful career. As a matter of fact, it is my understanding that he even wrote the story for the Clint Eastwood hit Sudden Impact. And they claim that he was the guy who came up with the line, go ahead, make my day. I guess I should say that differently, like, go ahead, make my day, right? One of the most famous movie quotes in all of history. Um, so Charles B. Pierce, he did very well for himself, and uh, he died at the age of 71 in 2010. He's one of those fellas that I really wish I'd had the opportunity to meet because I've made some crappy little you know local movies myself but uh, none of them have been as successful as his I can tell you that but let's get back to the point point is the legend of Boggy Creek is a movie that um, if you you very well have probably seen uh, if you're like, you know, in your, we'll say, 50s, 60s, but um, if you've never seen it, you know, like if you weren't there in the drive-through uh, or the drive the drive-in era when that was really happening, you know, you should you should go back if you're into you know, like really homegrown, cryptid type films and and watch the Legend of Boggy Creek. So I started telling Lauren that I had my own experience that reminds me of a scene in that movie. Because the movie starts out with this little boy just running like crazy through a field to blast into a room and tell a bunch of adults that he had seen this monster. And so I'm going to tell you about an experience that I had when I was four years old. And I have a very good memory. And so uh, I think I have told you in previous podcasts that I can even remember being a baby before I could speak. So anyway, at the age of four, um, well, okay, frequently my mom and dad, Danny and Peggy, would uh, take the family out to my grandmother's house. Now, this was my mother's mother. Her name was Virginia. And my grandmother's house, we called her Mamaw, was in the newfound community of Leicester, North Carolina. So, growing up, I spent a lot of time running around in the hills and mountains and meadows and trudging through the creeks and backwaters and whatnot around newfound in Leicester, North Carolina. And so, uh, 
we would go out and we hang out on on her house or at, or at her house and um <laughs> I, if i'm not mistaken i'm I, I i may i was thinking whether or not i should say this but okay i'll go for, i believe the road that she lived on it's been a long time since i've been there i haven't been there since she died i believe it was called moore's valley road so anyway one evening we were at my grandmother's house and this was in the middle of summer and it was dark out there. She lived, you know, in a very secluded spot. And uh, there, they, there was a big family, and so a lot of them. And, and my grandmother made big meals, and so all these family members had come together, and we had all had a big dinner. And everybody at this point, you know, it was, it was late, getting late in the evening, and everybody was just kind of, oh, just sitting around chatting, letting their food digest. And I like to go outside and play with the animals because there were lots of animals, lots of dogs and cats and chickens and things running around. So anyway, I I actually went by myself into the backyard. Now, I'll I'll be honest with you. My mom and dad, especially my mom, uh, they were very protective parents. They didn't usually let me out of their sight. But I believe the only reason that I was able to go outside at night like that at the age of four into the backyard in the dark was just because it was my grandmother's house, you know, and my mom felt comfortable there. So anyway, here I was in the backyard of this house, and uh, all of a sudden, one of the dogs, uh, there was a a big uh, black Labrador that she used to have, dog just started going crazy just just barking like you wouldn't believe and i looked over and the dog was um was reared well let me how do i how do i describe this the dog was kind of crouched back with its hackles up and it was staring over at this shed that was uh, sort of on the edge of the yard, but at the bottom of this big hill where my grandmother had this gigantic garden, because she had ten kids and they had, and she never got rid of the a garden that would feed that many people. So I look over, and here's what I saw from my four-year-old perspective. I saw what looked to me to be some type of a dark humanoid form standing at the edge of that shed with a dark sloped head and later from you know from later determinations i realized that th- this thing would have had to have been between um, six and a half, seven feet tall, just because of its relationship to the shed. And what I remember most was seeing these just piercing red eyes. And so the dog's barking, and I'm standing probably, I don't know, I'm going to say 15 feet away. All I see is this general vague dark form with red eyes and I am out of there. Boom. I turned around. I run screaming like you wouldn't believe. Just like the kid from the legend of Boggy Creek. I blast into the house and I start telling everybody there's some kind of monster out there. Um, And 
so at first everybody kind of laughs at me, right? But then I think it occurred to them, well, maybe there was a bear, you know, maybe this could be something serious. So my dad came out there with me because they, they all did admit that they did hear the dog going nuts out there. So my dad came out there with me and we walked around and he didn't see anything. And then later on, like the, you know, that this, the rest of the night, all I talked about was this thing that I thought I'd seen. And then the subject of Bigfoot came up and I was like, yep, it must've been a Bigfoot. Right. And so I said, we got to go back out, you know, and, and look for footprints. But, uh, this was the next day. And that night it came with just a horrific rain. Again, this is the middle of summer and Western North Carolina it came a terrible rain. And so I don't know if we went there the next day or the following day, but when we did, there was nothing but just mud everywhere. And if there had been footprints, they were certainly washed away. You couldn't even see dog prints or anything like that. So for a long time, I thought that I might have seen some type of a Bigfoot creature out there. And, um, but then here's the thing. As I got older and I started studying all the possibilities in the paranormal world, I realized, gosh, I'm not sure what I saw because I didn't see enough of it. And there are so many descriptions of things that are like that. Now, you might also just say, look, this is the imagination of a four-year-old who is on his way to becoming a very imaginative guy. You know, I've written books and made movies and, you know, I live my life because I'm, you know, by my imagination, I'm able to imagine things on a grand scale in some cases. And so, look, I'm not going to discount that. But I will tell you that now that I've learned over the years about different types of apparitions and Mothman and, you know, all, all these possibilities. Now, I, I just, I don't know how to describe it. And so I stopped talking about it at a very early age just because that I couldn't, um, I couldn't make sense of it. And I knew people would always say, well, what do you think it was? And I would just have to be honest and say, I don't know. And, and, and you know, what's funny is that I think a lot of people never get past that state like i i finally you know i have passed it uh since i got to the point in my life where i became a paranormal guy so it's now it's like we can talk about whatever you want you know um but whatever i saw i mean it, it was something that was i mean just remembering at this point it, it to me it seemed uh, and it, and and it still seems like uh, something that was very real, you know. That, that this was something that was actually standing there at the edge of that, uh, at that shed. And I, I'm glad that at least the dog was reacting to it. I, I there's no way it could have been a bear. I can tell you that a bear, for one thing, a bear would not have been standing in that position. This thing was standing very still, very motionless. There was nothing about this thing that looked like a bear. And I have encountered black bears on numerous occasions growing up in in Western North Carolina. But you know, last year, I was talking to uh, my buddy Christian McLeod, who is the owner, 
director of the Asheville Cryptid Society, and he told me that there had been some reports of some cryptids seen around Newfound, North Carolina. Now, Christian has only lived here for several years. He's from uh, Maine, I, I think. And so um, Christian wasn't familiar with Newfound. Well, he said Newfound. I said, oh, boy, I know that. I know that area well. And I, I told him, you know, I may have had some kind of experience. And I thought that was interesting that he told me that there were people in that area, even to this day, that are having these kinds of experiences. So whatever these things are, when we're talking about, you know, falc monster type creatures, um, they're probably a combination of things. Sometimes they may be some type of a, a weird ape that uh, is wandering out there, part of a rare species. Sometimes they may be interdimensional beings. Sometimes they may just be specters. Um, again, I think there's a combination of, of explanations. But I want to reiterate to you that if you have had any kind of a similar experience, um, I want you to let Christian know about it. Uh, his website is AshevilleCryptidSociety.com. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, by the way. He would like to hear about your report because you might live in Russia and you might have a report that you give to him and he says, holy cow, that sounds so much like something that's happening here and you start to see a pattern, right? But if you're you know, within a reasonable distance. I mean, he might even come out and do an investigation. He's got a great team. He works with M&D Paranormal. He works with me. I mean, I vouch for everything he does. So let me give you that website again. You know, uh, the city of Asheville, it's spelled A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. A lot of people leave that E out, uh, but it's A S H E named for a governor, Samuel Ash. A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E, and then cryptid is spelled C-R-Y-P-T-I-D. A cryptid is just a creature that may or may not exist, like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, whatever. So that's C-R-Y-P-T-I-D, AshevilleCryptidSociety.com. If you have any trouble with that, you can just... Go to my website, and I'll be happy to forward whatever you have to him as well. My site, of course, is just my name, joshuapwarren.com. There is no period after the P. And I hope that you will visit my website as often as possible because, uh, well, you'll find a lot of interesting new updates there. And I really do hope that if you haven't been there to see the uh, the latest images coming in from Puerto Rico of all the UFOs and all the weird stuff zipping around here. You'll just scroll all the way down to the bottom of my homepage there, and you'll click the, the area where it says "New Pics of UFOs" because uh, these are just you know things that have been added over just the past few days, and I, I'm continuing to add to this. And while you're there, I hope you'll check out all the other goodies. And I'm so looking forward to hanging out with many of you 
in Las Vegas for my big event coming up in less than two months. Um, I just checked, and we are almost sold out, but there are still some tickets left. Only 100 people get to attend this event, so I, I want you to go and at least learn about the event. And remember, if you're having some type of issue with the ticket price, there's also a payment plan there as well that will make it even easier for you. Just just email me if you have any confusion, any question, any issues. I'll do whatever I can to help you out, okay? So go to joshuapwarren.com. That's joshuapwarren.com. Also there, uh, you'll find a link at the top on the right to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. That's because I try to, to leave one for you on a daily basis. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's the plan. But I can tell you this, it's always short. It's always free. And if you enjoy it, I hope you'll tell your friends all about it and share it as widely as possible as well. So I think that's it for today. And uh, hope you have enjoyed this uh, (laughs) strange tale that I just don't talk about too much. As a matter of fact, I've done a lot of radio shows over the years, and I don't think I've ever told that story before. But you need to hear it, because I love you, because you listen to this podcast. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.